BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I see I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast episode 204. All right, this is important. Don't you fast forward. Don't you fast forward. I am part of the All Things Comedy Network, and there is the first ever All Things Comedy Comedy Festival. One night in Phoenix, AZ. I said yes, even though my tour schedule is packed, I will throw another night in. I said yes. Friday, October 27th, there will be, oh, so many a podcast tapings from all the great talent that is part of allthingscomedy.com. Go to their website and check out what other podcasts are there. Uh, the network started by the uh, great minds of Bill Byrne, Al Madrigal. I will be doing a 7.15 p.m. live I Seem Fun podcast taping at Stand Up Live in Phoenix, I recommend you come. Now, a year ago, September, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, working out what became my next or my last Netflix special. I will not be in Arizona any other time this year. So it's been a year since you've seen me. If you, well, I guess if you're listening to this, you know what my stand up, you know, duh. Because if you don't know what my podcast is, it's like stand up almost. It's me for an hour talking, but you're, duh. Duh. But tell a friend, bring a friend, come see me. And then there is a stand-up show that night where we're all doing shows, but you know, we're each going to do just like 10 minutes. It's not like I'm going to do a whole set. So, and I'm one of the only chick podcasters, not on the, there's tons on the All Things Comedy Network, but just so happens the way it shook out for this festival. So support me. I don't want to be the girl that had the lowest ticket sales. I mean, that's embarrassing. And I think the other people that are going to be in the festival, like have way bigger podcast fan bases than me. So just go. Don't make me look like it. Don't be like, well, I live in <clears throat> Scottsdale. I know it's not that far. I rented a car last time I stayed in Scottsdale, drove to Phoenix every day to go to yoga. Calm the fuck down. But I live in blah, blah. Just dri- drive an hour. You're going to drive an hour to see me. That's what you're going to do. I'm not, my tour 2018, I have so many other things going on. I don't know when I'm going to start touring in 2018. So it might be another year before you see me. So just fucking do it. Fucking do it. How's that for selling tickets? Just fucking do it. Go to my website, jenkirkman.com. Click tour dates. You can go to allthingscomedy.com as well. 
Uh, it's at the club called Stand Up Live. You can go to standuplive.com. However you want to buy your tickets, it's all going to lead you to the same place. I'd like to announce that the tour goes on. We've got Texas left, Ohio left, the South, Asheville, Durham, Atlanta, and Nashville. And I encourage you all and my women's only audience member and trans inclusive show on Saturday, December 2nd in Oklahoma City. All proceeds go to the local chapter of Planned Parenthood. Keep ladies getting their health checked out. So Houston, I will be there October 20th. I don't think I've ever performed in Houston. I may have once with the comedians Chelsea lately, but I don't think that, I think that was Dallas. Not that I'm confusing the two cities. I just know it was one of the other, one or the other. Um, yeah, maybe it was both, but well, who fucking knows? But I haven't done my own show there. And a uh, third of the proceeds go to Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund, started by your very own mayor there. And uh, the very funny and beautiful voiced musician Betty Sue, S-O-O, will be opening for me. Third of the proceeds go to Hurricane Harvey Relief. That includes merchandise as well. I will also have little raffle, gift raffle bags, raffling off some of the necklaces from my collection, some of my books, and a surprise grab bag worth $100. You won't know what's in it until you win it. But, you know, the raffle prices will be kept down, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks. And we're not going to make you, we're not going to go crazy here. So, uh, so that all of you can buy them. So, mm. Mm -mm -mm. hot tea. I do not have time to record this podcast. My schedule is still crazy despite having 20 hours a week of help. And I don't know what I would do without that. It's just, it's just how it's going to be with this fucking thing. Thing. Do you want to hear about the thing? Are you like, what is the thing? Tell me about the thing. And don't forget to get your necklaces at bobblebar.com. It goes until December 31st. Unfortunately, they will not be able to promote my line too heavily as they have a lot of other things going on. So uh, my sales suck. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought this would be a little bit lucrative. It is not. Um, there's been some online targeted harassment of Bobble Bar with people writing them and telling them not to be in business with me, that I am someone who... Uh, it's it's uh, still the fallout from whether they are real Bernie supporters or trolls. I don't know. But they are contacting Bobble Bar and it is making Bobble Bar uh, not want to do that much promotion for me. So my sales are terrible. So you win. Bernie bros are paid Russian trolls, whichever it is, you win. You have successfully convinced a company to be embarrassed to be in business with me. So based on... Based on... I don't know. So I encourage you guys to tell a friend, buy him his Christmas gifts, fun necklaces that say all different kinds of things. You know, the best sellers are feminist AF child free over 40 and cat lady. Those are my people. <laughs> and, uh, and there's ones that say taken and there's ones that say all different kinds of things. So you don't have to be single. You don't have to be a cat lady and you don't have to be over 40. There's necklaces that says 30 ish. If you don't want to reveal your age or 20, nothing. All kinds of fun stuff. Get them in all different colors, um, different acrylics. And then some some necklace options offer a fancy, deeper, deeper shade of soul. Remember that song from the 90s? No. No, we're 12. Um, 
deeper gold, like expensive. Like you can spend 200 bucks if you want on a couple of these necklaces, but they're usually priced around $44. So please take advantage of it. It's only until December 31st. It has always been a limited run thing. These necklaces do not exist until you make them. So it's not like, oh, I'll buy it from Jen directly. When this goes away, they all go away. There is no necklace that I'm going to be having. So go make your own bobblebar.com, B-A-U-B-L-E, bar.com, or go to my website. It's right on the homepage. You can click right in to where you can buy my necklaces. So score one for whoever fucked up my deal. Jen is on the board at zero. It's real life, folks. It's happening. Those of you who don't believe it, well, I'm living it. So I am JK living it. I could just keep living. You know, I don't know what to do, but man, if you don't think this, (laughs) if you don't think this makes me uh, just dream of the day that I can do the I was right dance. I don't care how crazy I look right now. They are succeeding in making me feel crazy. Um, But something is fucking up. That's all I'm saying. There is no way that only one side in this campaign had help and was willing to sell their souls. There's no way. There's no way. Anyway, use that against me all you want. It's already out there. It's already out there what I think. It's not even what I think. It's Who cares? We're not going to get into it now. Now I have Deeper Shade of Soul in my head. I'm sorry. By Urban Dance Squad. I don't think they did anything else. I don't think they... I'm going to say something mean. Maybe they shouldn't have done anything else. I don't know. Was it? They're probably not a good group. Um, all right. I will tell you this. How do you guys want to know about... What? I know now I don't even want to tell you about my show. Because I'm just afraid someone's going to contact this network and say it don't work with her. I don't think a network might be a little more sophisticated than a jewelry company. <gasps> Look at these desks. Veradesk.com. I'm sorry. I'm like doing an ad for a thing that those desks that just, that you can stand up at them. Oh, that looks fun. Work elevated, but I don't need that because I can just stand at my counter. Anyway. Um, well, I could put it in my whole office. Well, I don't really ever sit in there anyway. Right, who cares? Um, Yeah, I don't have time to record this. So here's what's going on. First of all, I'm glad you're all enjoying the tour diaries. Some of you have asked, can you keep them going so we can see your everyday life? No, I cannot do that. You don't understand. Like people, oh, I get it. You want your privacy. I don't, no, I don't want people in my real life seeing it. Does that make sense? People I'm blowing off to do things with people. I'm not, I I do not have a life in real life. Like I, I, you will see me driving, which I cannot film myself with driving, going to the workout class as I call it. Today I was on a four-hour conference call with the network studios. That's not something I can tape or even to. I'm not interested in showing you my day. It's just not anything I want analyzed or looked at, and it's boring. I legit have been up since 8 a.m., and it's now 10 p.m., and I legit have not stopped. I didn't sit down to eat lunch. I, I have not stopped. I trained my assistant in the morning. I did press all morning. Then I was about to record the podcast. Then I did. I tried to use a new app. It crashed. Then I got an email. I have to do notes call. Then I did some self-promotion. Then I returned 15, 20 emails. 
then I had to go to a class. Then it, it just doesn't end. <clears throat> so no, no to that. Just enjoy what I'm giving you. I always want more, you little addicts. More, more, more. What the hell do you want more of this for? This is not interesting. There's something wrong with all of us that I, that I do it and that you find it interesting. Let's not have more of it because the more you get, the more will be revealed that you hate this. You, you don't, you want to be wanting. You don't want to be all full up with too much gin. I'm doing the tour diaries as a specific way to address the questions I always get about what it's like touring as a woman uh, and to address the questions of why don't you go hang out at the, um, poof museum. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. A poof. Um, I don't know what's happening. Great shows in Chicago. This woman yelled out, no politics at the beginning. She got kicked out. I'm tired. I kick, I kick you right out. It was kind of funny. Um, and I wasn't even talking about politics at that point. My act is not political. Like I'm trying to get, like, I was talking about what I was going to talk about. I was like, you know, I might say some things about this. I might say some things about that. My act is mostly a story about a silent retreat. My act is mostly about, um, I mean, yeah, there's political stuff that I did this year. There's also stupid shit. I did like going to see a (laughs) shaman, you know, like it's not political. It's not apolitical. It's just not like you're going to be triggered like, Oh, more news. It's not like I'm naming senators. I always think of politics as like, did you hear what Representative Bing Dong did today? Well, that law that came out on the books, it's like that sort of thing of his political comedy. It's like deep cut naming laws and making one-liners about them. Like Bill Maher is to me, <clears throat> does political humor. Just joke after joke. The president today, the bimbaba today, and then he does it on the road. Like, I don't do that. So it's very funny that someone yelled out, no politics. And I was so angry. I mean, you know, angry in my funny way. But I I say to people, and I tell all the bouncers every venue I go, there is a no strike rule. You get no strikes. Is that the word? Three strikes and you're out? Yeah, no strikes. You say one, well, I guess it's one strike. You say one thing. You're out. And I was feeling bad that I kicked her out after saying, after she yelled no politics. And then, cause I was saying to someone, well, I don't know what her intention was. Like maybe she was trying to be funny, which is not cool. And I don't want that either. But you know, I feel less angry about that than I do someone who's just being a drunk asshole or someone who really thinks I'm going to take advice. And then I was like, as I was talking, I was like, no, that's just the point. I don't know your intention. So it's best to shut the fuck up because you shouting at a performer is not part of the show. And if you feel like it should be, then you need a fucking entitlement lesson and an attitude adjustment. The contract is this, and it could not be more simple. You buy the ticket, I do the comedy, period. Well, you're talking, I should get to yell out. Go back to life school. Well, who the fuck taught you that? Will you jump on stage with the at the nutcracker and start twirling around. I bought tickets. I should be up here. No, honey, you should be your ass in the seat. Quiet. That's what you bought a ticket to do. You actually bought a ticket to shut the fuck up. 
So if you don't want to buy a ticket to shut the fuck up, don't buy a ticket. And you can stand outside with a bullhorn yelling no politics. And you have every right to do it. I don't even think you need a permit. But in my shows, admit one to shut the fuck up unless to laugh or to clap. If that sounds rude, then you are probably 22 years old. So anyway, she yelled that. I had her kicked out. And I said, Let, let's just play a song while we kick her out. I'm going to go off stage. I'll come back. <clears throat> and I made them put on Rage Against the Machine <laughs> as they took her out just to rub in the face more. No politics. I'll play political music. I mean, I was cracking up, to be honest. And then the, the audience told me later via social media, thanks for connecting with me, guys. At Jen Kirkman on Twitter, at Jen Kirkman on Instagram, one and in Jen, at I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, you guys told me that she was really drunk and so were her friends and they'd been annoying for the first five minutes of the show anyway. And it didn't make its way up to me until she yelled no politics, but I take what I do pretty fucking seriously. And as I told her, you know, I pay money to fly places and I put myself up in hotels and I lose sleep and I get out of my routine and I do it for the love of performing. There is no other reason because touring fucking blows. You, it is not a vacation. It is the opposite of a vacation. When you get back, you need to recoup. It is not a vacation. So the, what I'm living for is that hour on stage. You yell out to me that you want to tell me what I should talk about. You're ruining my night, you know, and you're being so disrespectful to the art form of standup, not just me to the entire art form. You're not helping the show. You're not doing anything. <clears throat> and I think we're weeding out slowly. Not that the fans of Chelsea Lady, Lady, Chelsea Lady, Chelsea Lately were morons or something because there's some of my biggest fans and how most people know me. But there's just that select few where they're like, woo, party, drinking. And you know, that show ended three years ago and is, was on since 2007. So... If in 10 years you haven't grown past woo party drinking, please get help. Um, so yeah, anyway, we're weeding them out. So what I'm doing on the side, so I, I guess we'll talk, let's talk Christmas. I mean, let's, let's talk, let's talk Turkey here. Although I don't eat Turkey, but you know what I'm saying? Um, so, okay. So I sell this, it's going to be out in the trades soon that I sold a script to the ABC network. That's right. Old Jen Kirkman wants to do a network sitcom. I'm not cool like these Amazon people. I'm not transparent. I'm not Netflix, whatever's on there because I'm not. Uh, my standup is perfect for Netflix. My sitcom idea, it really doesn't need to be, you know, when you pitch something to cable or streaming, they, they say, why, why, why do we need it to be on this network? Kind of go, oh, I don't know. For me, I don't, I don't need nudity in my show. I don't need swearing. I mean, I love the F word, but I guess I can get through a sitcom without swearing. So anyway, it'd be for me to star in. And again, I've sold 5 million of these. You've never seen them and they've never even made it to pilot. So don't get all excited. This is just, to me, it was like, oh good, I sold a script. I have some extra dough coming in. 
since my necklace line failed because of Bernie Bros. And, you know, so good. I have some extra money coming in at the end of the year that can make up for the other money I thought I was getting. So, um, and, and I shouldn't say it failed. It still has a giant chance of being wildly successful. It's just going to be, I don't have access to their millions of customers that they were going to market it to. So it's, uh, it's up to you guys. And seeing the amount I've already sold, it doesn't even seem like 1% of you have bought any. So, you know, <laughs> how do you want more from me when you won't even give me that? You want more. You want more. Do video diaries of your life. Buy a fucking product, guys. You've got to keep the people that you like in business. We're not sitting here like rich. I shit out money all the time. And I know, but I should put it in the bank. I flush it. I shit and I flush. No, but you know, you have to, it's just crazy. Someone at my level is hustling all the time and, and paying people to help me hustle. And sometimes there's just no money coming in. Um, in some of the, the, everything is a risk, right? It's a risk. I'm a business woman. I'm a busy business woman, like in the Hallmark movies. Anyway, so I saw the script to ABC. Okay. So it's going to come out in the trades and the, I don't know why they do this. I don't know why they do this. Your agent writes it. You cannot, it just is not going to change. It's going to say, Jen Kirkman in a deal with ABC to star in a sitcom about a woman who's gets dumped on Christmas at age 39 and the breakup affects her life and the life of her friends or something like that. Okay. It's going to sound like I have my own TV show and it's on the air and there's 20 episodes. That's just how it always reads. Now, people in the business, they know, because this is the time of year. You sell, you sell, you pitch shows in September to the networks, to the ABC, Fox, NBC, and then they buy in September. Then you write the outline in October, and then in November, they send you to script, as it's called, and you write the script, and it's due in December. And then in the new year, you find out if they're going to make it into a pilot or if they passed. I can't even fathom what it's like to get the call that they're making it into a pilot. Every script I've ever written has been passed on. And I'm not saying that like, oh, poor me. It's legitimately 98% get passed on. Like it's so once in a lifetime. Not once in a lifetime, but it's it's very rare. Um, it More people don't get things picked up than get picked up. They buy a lot of stuff every year. So you're never alone in your getting passed over boat. Um, the numbers as it is are stacked against you. They buy more than they're able to pick up, right? They might buy all told, like between all the networks, let's say a hundred scripts are bought, uh, four will get made or five, you know, but when you look at how small a number it is of, of things that are bought, even though it seems like a lot, like there might be dozens and dozens and dozens, you're like, oh my God, like that to sell something to me is such a big deal and it is a big deal and it's become second nature in a lot of ways because I've done it, but it's also to be commended. And for me, I'm so amazed that I even did that every time I do it. No offense, (laughs) not to brag that I'm not like, Oh, it didn't get picked up. It's more like things take so long that if it doesn't get picked up, that's four months from now. I will be on to the next thing, whether it's the tour of 2018 or a new idea or a new special or something. Like I'm always going. Like while I'm working on something, I'm looking into the future and working on another thing. So 
I don't do it on purpose to soften any blows, but blows get softened because you don't just sit and do one thing and put all your hope into it because you can't survive in show business if that's how you do things. So people that you tell get way more sad if things don't get picked up than sometimes the person. I mean, I would be sad, but I'm not sure yet because maybe I'll hate the script after I send it in. Like maybe I'll be like, you know what? I think that this, like part of me thinks like on a spiritual level, when I was waiting for it to get picked up, I was like, maybe I was only supposed to get this far just to pitch it and be able to talk about my breakup, like in public, you know? And then, um, it got bought. I'm like, all right, well maybe I just need to. And now it's like so far from my life. It's funny. Cause it's, you know, a sitcom. Um, but there's a cat involved. Oh, I love it. Yeah. She's going to have a cat. Um, anyway, so I will tell you the show is called the mighty Quinn and I would be Quinn. It's based on me, but I was having this moment. So I, you know, I, my ex and I were writing a movie together when we broke up, we were writing like, Netflix was like, oh, you know, like we might want some romantic comedies, you know, maybe you want to write one. And we were writing one together and it was sort of based on us. And I loved it so far. I thought it was a cool, I'd never written a movie before. I still haven't because I didn't finish it, but it was so painful. Like that's what I was going to work on in January and February when I wasn't on the road. Like I was planning to write something and it turned out that's what I was going to write. So that was a no. I'm not going to write a love story based on my life in January and February after I got dumped the day after Christmas. I'm like, uh, no, no to that is what I said. And I was so physically ill from the breakup. It was like, I can't even do anything. And I know you guys did not know. I powered through. I did the podcast. I kept it to myself because I could not fucking handle it when you heard me in my episode with Dr. Drew, it was like, he knew, <laughs> like he talked me down off some ledges, not literal ledges. Um, but yeah, it, it just was. And obviously I have like real friends, like in real life that aren't just like people that are newer in my life. Not that he's not a real friend, but you know what I'm saying? Like people my age have known me forever. Well, he's only forever too. You know what I'm saying? And then an actual therapist that I see, but it was very, very, very painful. It was like shocking. I was like, I'll either die from this pain, which I probably won't, or I'm going to come out like a fucking Phoenix, as they say, not Phoenix, my gig, but Phoenix. And, uh, I did. I, 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 I don't actually have the words to articulate it. I only could wish to tell people that every single symbolic thing I could find, whether it was the goddess of this and she breaks open and this happens or whether every spiritual reading, every sense of like just laying in bed and opening my arms at night going, Hey God universe, I know you have this big, beautiful life for me planned. Please do not let me get in my own way. Please do not let me think that the solution to my life was to have stayed with my partner and that I'm missing out on something. Maybe this is a blessing and he was taken out of my life for a reason. And I actually believe that that is true right now. Um, I won't get into it because then it gets into his business, but I do believe that I was, um, that I'm very lucky because I do believe that he's got to go some, th- some things on his own and they were under the surface and they would, you know, like I just, I feel very protected and very lucky. And then the fact that I got this job where I just had to ship off to New York, it was perfection. And New York was like where we met 
And it was also a sticking point in the relationship where I really want to go back there someday, maybe to move. And he doesn't have that same feeling about it. We used to joke about moving there. And then when I was really seriously talking about it, he was like, no. And I was like, oh, really? What? Oh. And uh, I had to reclaim New York. It was painful to be there. I was like, I hate you, New York. You caused my breakup. And yet you were where we met and this and that. And then I was like, you know what? I've always fucking loved New York. I've al- that's I've always loved New York. I'm not going to shit on New York. No. But I. it was so funny. I remember after we broke up, uh, I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to New York for a year, which is crazy because I go every six weeks. And I was like, I'm like so sick, sickened. I just don't even want to be near it. It'll be so painful. So to get a call four weeks later, like, hey, you got a job in New York. You have to go live there for a few months. I was like, I get it. Big guy up in the sky. That's what atheists think spiritual people believe. So I'll just say it like that. Um, I get it. You got a little plan for me. Okay. And uh, it was, yeah, it was great. So anyway, my whole fucking point about this is, I had no intention of pitching this particular sitcom this year. I had been pitching other things. I had been pitching a show about the kind of based on just like female friendships and, you know, how if women are single or in relationships, it doesn't matter, but they are, you know, the closest thing. And if someone has to, the unspoken thing that you don't talk about with your female friend, if you have a really close one, which is like, you get your emotional support from that person in ways that like male partners can't give. And, you know, if one of them ever moved away or you weren't in a relationship and they were, and it's taken from you, it's like that kind of thing. So it was a, a show about like changes and stuff like that. And like, someone was in like a long distance relationship and someone was this and it was, it was really about that. And I, I couldn't quite like hook my hook into it. And then I'd met with some women in England, London who were writers and they were going to help me come up with an idea. And there was this other show idea. It was like this woman moves to London to stay with her friends after her job falls apart. And then she becomes like, <laughs> like a, a fraudulent psychic over there. There was all kinds of ideas going around and like things and that would have, you know, anyway, but nothing was really sticking and everything I was pitching, people were like, "Mm." and I wasn't even excited about it. I was like, I don't know where this goes. Like, but it was like, you know, so in January when I was so excited about writing this movie and then was like, I cannot write this movie and I, I will not ever open that document again. I mean, I truly don't, it's not like, oh, I'm in so much pain. Like that document is not meant for the world. Like that, that is not what the world needs my output in. Like that document served its purpose that, that trying to write that movie served its purpose. I think it brought, I think it was just, um, it wasn't time to do that yet at that point in the relationship, even though we'd been together on and off for years, it was time to do it in, you know, we're married for 10 years and now let's write a movie together. It was not time to do it in the first year of getting back together. It was just not time. So, um, but now I would, you know, not want to do it. But anyway, my point is, so I will tell you all about this show idea I have and, and all that goes into it. Maybe you'd be interested in hearing how this goes, even though I think it's boring as hell, but I hear that you guys want to hear boring shit. So, uh, now Thank God, though, before I tell you, I'll tell you 
that this episode today is brought to you by Talkspace, Casper, and Texture. Now, let me just tell you about, first of all, someone tweeted me today that they love Texture and they lay in bed all day reading their magazines. And I think that's fantastic. I, again, cannot believe that my shoulder is so much better because I'm not carrying this giant purse thing that I take on planes with all my magazines in them. Um, I am truly reading them on my Kindle, or I call it Kindle. I call my iPad my Kindle because I'm 107 years old. And we're like, Jen, what the hell is texture? I'm telling you, it's an app that has gone beyond delivering just the magazine itself. They, they deliver magazines to your whatever you want to read it on, your phone, your tablet, whatever. But they also make it easy to find and enjoy the articles you want to read with daily recommendations, exclusive interactive features, videos, and more. Texture makes magazines easy. There are so many great ones out there. I will tell you the ones that I use on my textures. This is just some of them. Is Real Simple, Vanity Fair, Vogue, Rolling Stone, Cosmopolitan, In Style, um, God, I have so many more. I'll read L, L Decor. I mean, this is some chick shit, you know. Uh, I'll read Glamour. I'll read Interview. Vanity Fair. Did I say Vanity Fair already? Um, Teen Vogue, which is like breaking all the Russia news. The New Yorker. New York Magazine. W. W is a great magazine, and it's so giant in real life. You're like... Well, I don't need to carry something the size of a poster, you know? Um, but there's so many more. There's ones for dudes. If we're going to, if we're going to be gender, you know, stereotypical, there's sports ones, there's cooking ones, there's home decor ones, uh, runner's world. I mean, there's, there's literally hundreds, Maxim, money stuff. Money stuff is not a magazine, but there's stuff about money. National Geographic Kids, Motor Trend, Motorcyclist, Golf Digest, GQ, Esquire, Time. So what it is, instead of buying a bunch of magazines a month that's going to cost you, you know, tens and twenties and thirties of dollars, Texture is $9.99 a month and you get over 200 magazines. If you sign up right now, though, you get a 14-day free trial. So it's Texture, T-E-X-T-U-R-E dot com slash fun. So why subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you can literally have all of these on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less? It was also selected as one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps. I know you're like, well, I don't want to commit $9.99 a month to magazines. Oh, really? You're going to buy at least three this month and you're going to be like, crap, I could have had all this and I don't have to carry around all these damn magazines. I am loving it. It's environmentally friendly. Don't forget that. So texture.com, read all about it. T-E-X-T-U-R-E dot com slash fun, F-U-N. And when I get home, I go to sleep on my Casper mattress. Oh my God, this thing is helping me in my life. It keeps you cool. It is so comfortable. I had a friend who texted me like, you don't really use Casper, do you? You're just saying that on podcast. I'm like, oh no, I really use it. He's like, well, my wife and I are trying to decide. We might get this Tempur-Pedic. I'm like, da, 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 da. Don't even. 
I'm telling you, Casper, I even have the Casper sheets. I, I, I love it. Now, it's cheaper than, I would say less expensive than your regular mattress because they don't have to have a storefront. It has forced consumers, uh, unlike, I mean, the mattress industry has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. Casper revolutionized, rev- I mean, do they really want me to read that revolutionized? Casper, I'm sorry, I'm exhausted. And it's not your mattress's fault. In fact, the only thing that's getting me any sleep is the Casper but I'm sleep deprived from having slept in hotel beds the last few nights. They've revolutionized the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the customer. In-house teams of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that has just the right sink and just the right bounce. You guys, I'm telling you, it is so, oh, you, you sink into it, but it's not, it's, it's perfection to lay on top of perfection. It's not stiff and it's not, it's just right. It's Goldilocks. If she could only see this bed, it's risk-free, free delivery, free returns with a hundred night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything else. That's crazy. And also I hope you wouldn't do that to them because it's the best bed ever. Why would you give it back? You're like, well, I, I actually like sleeping on the floor. That would be the only thing is you some weird, you join a cult and they say you're not allowed to sleep on a mattress. That's the only reason you would ever return a Casper. And I'm guaranteeing that. It has over 20,000 reviews. Don't just believe me in an average of 4.8 stars. It's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. This is based on Casper, Amazon, and Google reviews, free shipping and returns to us and Canada. Uh, everything is designed and assembled in the U S of a, It's delivered in a small, how do they do that, sized box. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. I would get them all. So you get $50 towards any mattress, which is crazy because they're already so inexpensive, by visiting Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R.com slash fun, and please use fun at checkout. Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R.com slash fun, and use fun at checkout to get $50 off your Casper mattress. Right? And then you know, you know what I'm going to say. Can't just sleep your problems away. You got to talk them out sometimes. Are you guys ready for this? Are you guys getting your beach brain? (laughs) What is it? Your beach body, the opposite of your beach body, you're getting your winter mind. Getting that holiday healthy mind. You still have six to eight weeks left for the holiday season. Kicks into high gear. Get your mind together. Start complaining about your family now. Start working on everything you want to work on now. Screw it. Forget New Year's resolutions. That is that is uh, child stuff. Kid stuff. You can make a list January 1st. You can throw it out by January 7th. But now you can actually make real change in your life by going to therapy. But I know, I know you might not have insurance or you might not want to talk to someone in person. Maybe you're shy. Maybe you don't have time to go. I get it. That's why the internet can be good, you guys. 
And that's why I love Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists so you can get matched with your perfect therapist. They're not just going to give you some therapist and you have to use them. It's like anything. You know, you find the thing that works for you and you stick with it. If it doesn't work, you find another one. So you get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life. A special offer for our listeners, Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. For as little as $32 a week, you can pick an experienced licensed therapist that you relate to. And each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with this perfect therapist for you, again, Talkspace.com slash Jen. And to show your support for this podcast, please do use the code Jen to get $30 off your first month, right? We need to take a little better care of ourselves. Mental health is no exception. This is the way to go. Therapy for how we live today. And don't forget, you can also send your therapist text, audio, and video messages, or even do a live video chat. Again, they're fully licensed, rigorous screening, thousands of hours of supervised training. They are ready for you. Are you ready for them? I made that up. They didn't say to say that. Talkspace.com slash Jen. All right, everybody. So I'll tell you a little bit how this, so, so yeah, so that was my year. I feel like I've revisited this topic, but I feel like I never gave the episode where I was like, what the hell did I do all year? What the hell was I doing when I was recording these podcasts and not mentioning the turmoil I was in? Uh, I remember a friend of mine last September was going through a terrible breakup and he was just, oh, he was in so much obsession around it. He was just so, my life is over. Oh my God. Next year, he was already projecting a year into the future. I said, you don't know how you're going to feel in a year. He goes, yeah, I, I might still love this person. I go, you might, you might still love the person but you're not going to feel this way in a year. It's just not possible. Even if you did zero work on yourself, you will not feel this shitty in a year. It's just not how it works. Um, but you do work on yourself and you are working on yourself. So you're not going to feel this way in a year. He was like, no, no. Four months later, he's like, oh my God, I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> then I get dumped. I'm like, oh my God, he's ruined Christmas for the rest of my life. How could he do this? We met at Christmas. We're obsessed with Christmas. We love Christmas. Who dumps Jen Kirkman the day after Christmas? Especially after she got a text that morning that was like, I feel so warm and happy. I'm so happy. I hope you are. Well, what the hell happened? I'm not, I know what happened, but it's not your business because that's his business. Um, and I was just like, wow, this person said they would never go like that. Never, 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 ever. He made fun of anybody who would fuck with Jen Kirkman at Christmas. Never. I remember when I was dating the Australian, my ex and I were friends and, you know, I didn't think it was, I was, I really liked the Australian, but I also was like totally ignoring some like 
total red flags, such as he lives in Australia. <laughs> and, and to make that kind of commitment, you have to decide really quickly how serious you're going to be. And like, it's just, it just started to seem crazy after a while. Um, and so the last time we were together was when he was in America on Thanksgiving. And it was like, do we, is he going to do this thing where he tries to get this work visa? And, and it was just like, I just feel like he didn't have his life together enough to like make it happen, but it wasn't like anything personal to me. Does that make sense? And it was just like, it all just kind of fell apart, but I don't mean in a bad way. It was just like, Oh, and then I was like, what am I doing? This guy's like too mature. And like, but it was happening like around the holidays, but it wasn't like killing me or anything. I was like, Oh good. It's the holidays. Like that'll be fun. And my ex recent ex was like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe you're having a breakup at the holidays. Like, and I was like, Oh no, it's not really like, it's totally fine. Um, it's upsetting, but it's like, it's fine. It's just like annoying. Like, Oh God. Like, but I knew that I secretly still loved my ex, but he was my best friend. Um, and, but anyway, it was like, he was just like, I hate him for you. <laughs> I was like, I don't, he was like, fuck that guy. I hate him. Like nobody says that they're going to try to work out something long distance and then like gives up like, and I was like, it's fine. Like it was, it really was fine. But he kept going on and on about like the holidays. And, and then that year I caught like a really nasty cold around Christmas and New Year's. So we were supposed to go to this New Year's party together, me and Mr. J, I'll call him, um, you know, my ex of this past year. So the, the year before 2015, when we were friends and after I'd broken up with the Australian, like we were supposed to go to our mutual friends, uh, New Year's party. And I was like, I'm too sick to go. You go without me. And he's like, I'll come over and bring you soup later. I'm like, please. (laughs) And he was like, I can't believe you're sick on the holidays. Like this is your worst nightmare. It was like, I think I'm making it clear to you how it was very clear to him and, and really part of his story too, that he loved for me, that I loved the holidays. And he loved that I brought the holiday spirit out in him. He loved that this life of not really celebrating the holidays was now in his life because of me, whether friends or whether dating or whatnot. So it was like a very special time of year for us. Um, the one year that we didn't speak, we, when we became friends again, we both were like, Oh my God, all we did was think of each other at Christmas. So it was batshit fucking nuts to have the breakup happen when it did. And I was like, you weirdo hypocrite for doing this at like, you know, that's insane, right? Like this is legitimately insanity. (laughs) He was like, I don't, to this day, just it's crazy. Anyway. So I was like, I'm going to feel bad about Christmas. I'm going to, and my friend that I had consoled reminded me, he's like, Jen, you're not going to feel that way in a year. That's what you told me. I'm like, shut up. It's it's true for me, but not you or, you know, and he was like, okay. So I started to feel better and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get through the holidays. Sometimes, do you know when you ever like negative plan when you're like, oh no, I plan to, I'll feel better, but I will still feel awful during this and I won't do anything. It's like, why are you making that the plan? So that's what I've been doing. I've been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to feel awful at Christmas and that's how I'm going to spend it. 
no matter what I do, I'll be feeling awful. And, but that's the baby step, right? It's like, well, I'm going to do it and feel awful, but I'll do it. And then now I'm like, uh, so anyway, I, what's my point? I had a point. Oh, my whole point is everything. So, so I'm sitting there going, pitching these shows all year, last year, the year before. Nothing's really hitting. And then I get the offer to write on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which comes out December 1st. I'm very excited. It was such a great experience. And I'm working with um, my two bosses who are incredible. And it's their show and it's their vision. And like they run every single aspect of it. Like it was just such a classy operation. It was, it was great. And I'm sitting there and I'm learning a lot and I'm like, God, I'm really learning a lot about, I mean, they're not the stars of the show. They're just writer producers. They run everything. So it would always be different with me because I'd always want to star in my show. But I was like, I'm really learning about like running a show, like from this very tiny writer's room of just four, like four people total. Like this is amazing. And we're really hands-on and this is like getting a PhD or like a master class under, you know, the woman who started Gilmore Girls, like, this is amazing. So I started thinking, like, I wonder if this little gift of being sent to New York to have this really intimate writing job was... Um, now, I don't really believe the universe is orchestrating some plan for me. I think that when I choose to look at things that way, it helps me to give up a sense of control. And it, and it actually is a whimsical, and it's fun to think... Hey, what can I get out of this? And it's like, well, wait, maybe I should rethink pitching a show because, you know, maybe there's more music in me. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm obviously not going to write this movie, but maybe there's a show idea I have. And, you know, I decided not to date for a year. And that's, that's something that my therapist had mentioned to me years ago. She's like, why don't you take a year off um, during this? She said it to me like kind of after my divorce when I was like, I want to date a million people and just live the life I never lived. And at a certain point she was like, why don't you calm down? Like it seems to be like a, too much of a focus. And, uh, and she was right, it was. And so, you know, I've definitely gone long stretches of time being single, but to deliberately take a year off, not just to get over someone or to focus on my career, but to actually go deeper into myself was something I hadn't done yet in life. And I slowly realized as I was in New York working this job, oh wait, like I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't think I'd be over him in a year. So, but I didn't want to date anyone in order to get over him. And I, and I still haven't. And I, I want to just like be by myself and not alone. Like it's not an isolationist thing. It's actually to learn more interdependency and have deeper, meaningful friendships and have, you know, more focus at jobs and, and really go for everything I want in life. So I, uh, you know, what am I month 10 now? And it's like, I don't want to be done with this in two months. I want to keep going, you know? And, and, and again, and it's not an avoidance thing. It's all to service. If I have, you know, whatever relationship I have next, what I'm doing now is in service of that to whomever is next. I am 
making myself the best version of myself that's ready for this. And that looks at red flags and actually listens to them and who loves herself enough to not think that she has to, you know, whatever. So, okay. So great. So I'm starting to think that as I'm sitting in the writer's room and it was just a beautiful thing. Like, I don't know these people. So it wasn't one of those writer's rooms like Chelsea lately where everyone's up in your business all the time, which sometimes that's good. But this time I just didn't want to talk about my life. And since we didn't all know each other that well, like if it was like, you know, I remember Amy saying one night, like, okay, this week we're light on work, but like, I don't know, the hours might start getting crazy. And, you know, what do you guys think? And I was like, well, I have no life. I have no kids. I have no husband. I'm not dating. I went through a breakup and I'm like specifically not dating. So I have no life. I'm yours. She was like, I love to hear that. And I think there was some quick moment of like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, no. (laughs) And she was like, got it. And I was like, but I'm okay. Okay. Like I feel really good about working. Like I feel like it was such a blessing to get a job. She's like, totally. And that was it. You know, I didn't like talk about it and nobody cared and nobody was like, it was this really beautiful experience where for the first time in my life, I didn't feel weird. Like, oh, I'm single. It wasn't like that. It was just like, I'm independent. Not that people who earn relationships aren't, but I, I meant like, I'm, I'm an, 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 literally an independent walking around, uh, who's just doing her own thing. And I think I'm, res- it, this job actually helped me to see that I was respected because I was hired as a consultant for the stand-up parts of the show. And that is based on my career. And that's a really great thing to be asked to do. I mean, it, it's definitely, sometimes you need a job in a certain way to build self-esteem or to, if in a healthy way, you know, you, you, you go and you be of service to a job, to the people at the job and you, you know, you learn what they want from you. You give to them what they are looking for and you take risks and you speak out and say, Oh, what about this joke? When you're like, Oh God, if they don't think I'm funny, I'm going to die, you know? And, uh, and then you learn that you're there to service a show and it's, it's not about you, which is really good. I needed that. I didn't want to work on my own thing just then because my heart was broken and I didn't have any creativity, but I had a worker, a worker vibe, you know, and I wanted to be just someone put me to work. I had two months of being in LA, January and February, where I did like some working on myself in the morning and the reading and the spiritual and the, you know, I mean, I think the saddest and hardest thing was after the breakup, like we kept in touch a little bit and I would never do this now, but I actually allowed myself to hear all his bullshit reasons that he was breaking up with me and none of them are my issue. And somehow they ended up being my issue. And it's just like, no, this is you. You can't handle this. There's nothing, there's nothing to handle. I'm not some handful. You're, you're not that he ever said that, but that was kind of how I took it because my self-esteem was in the toilet and I realized that, and I wouldn't have realized that if I didn't have this breakup, but, uh, like, you know, two, a week after the breakup, I, def- I found out I got Colbert and I had to fly to New York to be a guest on Colbert. And like, I was like, I just condem- I just said New York can fuck off. I'll never go again. And already a week after the breakup, I have to be flown to New York. And the Christmas stuff was still up. Do you understand? We'd gone to New York last year together. 
a couple of weeks before Christmas. And that's when we had a conversation that I think was the beginning of the end for him where he was like, Oh, I think we want different things in life, which we, it wasn't a breakup for that reason. I, I truly believe whatever. I believe in an immature way when there's a sign that someone doesn't like exactly every little single thing exactly like he does. Like you don't have to be the same person, you know, like that it's like, I think it was threatening, but that's my guess. I don't know. Anyway, who cares? I'm never going to New York again. A week later, you have Colbert, you have to go to New York. The Christmas decorations were still up. I think I told you guys this. After the breakup, I could not, the house was like, deck the halls, every inch Christmas stuff. I was so excited. I was going to keep my Christmas stuff up until like end of January. <laughs> and I, I was so nauseous and sick and sad. I, I asked a friend, I said, do you have any friends that are like dead broke that want to make like 300 bucks cash like today? And I found this girl. I just don't even remember her name. <laughs> And I, I, I don't even remember anything. I was just, I was like a zombie shaking and I lost 10 pounds in about 12 hours. I was just a mess. And I just had this girl come over. I go, Hey, here's 300 bucks. I need you to make all of this Christmas stuff in my place go away so that when I come back home, there's not a trace of it. Okay. Everything. And you just tell me when you're done, however long it takes. <laughs> I just went away for like 12 hours. And I came back and my house on December 27th was a hundred percent, no, no sign of Christmas. And then a week later, I have to go to New York on January 3rd to go on Colbert and it's still Christmas time. It's still decorated. Um, they put me up in the hotel. He and he and I had this sort of conversation where I could tell he was unhappy or something was wrong. I was, he was being a fucking baby, if you want me to put it in English. Um, and we were in this beautiful hotel lobby, like just chatting over coffee, but it wasn't a hotel we were staying at or anything. And I was like, I'd always wanted to go to that hotel cause it was Christmassy and they had a giant Christmas tree in this sort of library area. Um, and then after talking to him in that hotel where I was like, he's acting weird. Like I just didn't get a good vibe. I was like, he's something is up with this guy, this guy. Meaning the guy I thought I was going to spend my life with. So I, I, uh, I mean, this was not like some, I just want to really reiterate, like when he and I got back together, I was like, I'm done. Like we're going to die together. You know, I'm starting to talk like that. Like we were both done. It was like, this ends, one of us dies. That's how this ends. Uh, one of us gets old and dies. And, uh, so it was shocking. Like if he had blown his head off or become trans, I would have been like, Oh, I can see that. But this, I could not, do you understand? Like I could not fathom this. So you got Colbert. I'm like, Oh, and then they put me up at that fucking hotel. The one that I just described. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is God evil or what? There's two options. There's no God or God's very evil, specifically to Jen Kirkman. <laughs> so, you know, I tell him, hey, I got Colbert. He's all proud of me. That's what's so fucking annoying is there's no making him jealous. There's no, he's proud of everything. Ugh. Anyway. So anyway, I do Colbert. I fly in 
I, I, I was doing a thing where I was like crying in my sleep for like a, a long time, not necessarily every night, but I would wake up like, why did I just wake up? And I'd feel my face and it would be wet. And I'd be like, oh my God, I just woke myself up crying. It was like craziness, you know, waking up and like thinking someone's there and they're not. And you're like, oh fuck, like just that awful feeling. So I, uh, they flew me first class to Colbert and I opted for JetBlue Mint and I flew an overnight flight. Um, I didn't want, I wanted to spend like as little time in New York as possible. So I was like, well, that knocks off one night of the trip. If I just fly first, if I take a red eye. So I'm like literally crying in my little pod on the flight. Um, this is why when anyone tells you, if you have money you still cry on planes, still cry in first class. Um, so I was like, I get off the plane, I get to the hotel, but then like you have to get there in the afternoon and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I was on like no sleep when I did Colbert and I was, my agent was there, my manager, and they didn't even know like really. And I was like, I have to tell you guys something because if I don't tell you, it's going to come out on Colbert and I'm afraid I just need to say it out loud. So I told them backstage and they were like, what? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, we just had dinner with him like two months ago at your Netflix special. Like he flew in to surprise you. And, um, and we all took him out while you were doing, you know, getting ready in between shows. I'm like, yeah, no, I know. And they're like, but you were writing a movie. I'm like, oh no, I know. And they're like, this doesn't make sense. Oh, I know. I know. So I cried it out backstage and I was like, so tired. I was drinking coffee, but I was just shaking and I would like eat like a bite of something and immediately would like feel like I was going to have diarrhea. I just couldn't eat. I hadn't eaten in a week. I couldn't do anything. And I was shaking and and crying. And I was like, okay, I need to get this out of my system because I'm afraid if Colbert is like, how you doing? I'm going to be like, (laughs) and I fucking did it. You know, I got out there and I just faked my fucking face off. And inside it felt like someone was turning a vice around my gut, intestines. It was, it, I, I wish, I, I wish you could see an x-ray of me. If you go find that clip online, I am dying. What it feels like is happening inside me. I feel like I'm dying. And there I am on Colbert. And then the next week I got Conan and I get to go on. I'm like, what is happening? I mean, I've been on there before, but same thing. And that's when I was like, I'm having a shitty time. And Andrew Dice Clay was really nice to me backstage. Um, Not about my breakup, but I was just... Anyway, so I go to New York again when I get this job. And as I'm sitting there realizing this great opportunity I have and what an honor it is, I'm thinking, do I have a show idea in me? I mean, maybe that I got to rethink this bizarre women's friendships thing I've been pitching. And I don't know. I mean, it would be pretty funny to do a show about a girl who got dumped on Christmas. And I remember saying to, to Amy, my boss in the room, I was like, yeah, I was like, it was one of those, she was talking about like her friend that's like single and in her fifties and all this. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I really just thought like, he and I would be together. He'd die at like 70 and I'd be this fabulous widow. And I'd go to, you know, we'd be back in New York and I'd go to like yoga class and be like, oh, he was the love of my life. And now I'm a fabulous widow. 
And as I was saying it, and she was like, oh, I told you, like, she was just trying to understand the concept of like what kind of breakup this was. And I was like, yes, it was sort of like my whole life now is like, what's the next, like, even my divorce was just like of the least, except for the terror of money and being sued. It was the least thing I've ever gone through, if that makes sense. Like it, it was so not shocking, you know, to, to me and to him, but this was so shocking. It was like. What do you do when, when you planned a certain way and it doesn't go as planned? You know, when you, when you become a fabulous widow at my age and not 70, not a, I'm not a widow, but um, it felt, no, it felt, wor- again, that's where my joke comes from. I feel like it felt worse than being a widow. Um, anyway, so I'm kind of mulling it around one day as I'm walking around in a, oh, hang on, I have to pee and I'm not going to, hang on, I'm going to, there's going to be silence. Just talk to yourself. Use yourself. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I know I pee fast. Maybe that wasn't. That's not my fastest pee. Ah. I used to do this thing at work when I shared an office with Chris Rangel and Josh Wolf. I'd be like, "Guys, I have my period." And you know, I pee really fast. I'm going to pee, take out my tampon and put a new one in, wash my hands thoroughly with soap and water and run back and you'll see, you won't believe how fast it is. And they would time me. And then if I had to do it another time that day, we'd go see how my, like if I could beat my previous time. It was, sometimes you get bored in writer's rooms. Um, anyway, so I'm walking around New York. I'm going to meet my friend Allison. We're going to go see a Broadway show. And I'm like, look at me. You know, I feel like shit and I'm still doing stuff. I'm going to the ballet Oh my God. And there was this one night when I was in the subway going to the ballet by myself and, um, you know, my ex and I had decided to stop speaking. So it'd been like the first month of not talking and, and, uh, I had slipped and reached out a couple times when I was in New York. I sent an email, like I still am very confused. And then, uh, I would write like, don't write back. So like we haven't actually, the last time we spoke with words was March in March before I left for New York, but he did, I hadn't gotten the job yet. <clears throat> so yeah, I went to the ballet alone and this girl, I was sitting there and I wasn't sad. Like going to the ballet alone is something I would totally do in a relationship too. But, um, yeah, it was just like, yeah, it was sad. I was just feeling sad. And I was like, mm. and then this girl like threw a note at me and ran off the subway and it just said, you do seem fun. And it was like an, I seem fun listener. And I was like, Oh my God. I like, I seriously was about to cry. I was like every step of this fucking breakup, even the littlest moments have had these miracles where these angels come out of nowhere to just say, you got this. We got you. Life has a plan for you. This thing that just sucked so bad is happening for a reason. You, you needed this to blow up. You had this bizarre idea 
that you and him needed, you did not need to be with him for the, these reasons you thought you did. You just didn't. You, you have more than this. You're a survivor on this level that he is not. Like you are, you, you got this. We got you. You know, and so I was like, if there was just something about that note. And then I met that girl. She came to, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting your name. She came to my show in New York and went to the meet and greet and told me that was her. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Um, but it was this reminder of like, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm a fan of your work, but because this podcast is so intimate, it's like, oh, I share my life with these people. And in a weird way, they share theirs with me or I just know that whenever I'm saying someone is like nodding and relating to right now, because I'm not a dumb, I'm not a dumb <laughs> because I'm a fucking human. And I'm assuming that most of the people listening are humans, probably a couple robots, maybe one space alien, but for the most part, you're humans. And it makes me feel good knowing that what I'm broadcasting is probably being understood. Um, and there was something about like, you know, I have to stop turning my nose up at connection that is connections other than him and me. Like now when I look back on it, I'm like, God, whenever there was something in the world making me crazy, whether it was like someone, I don't know, a friend or someone I worked with or a situation with whatever show business, it would be like, we would talk about it. And it would be like, I get it. No one else gets it. Like us against the world. And it's like, gross. That's not acceptable to me anymore. Like that's, I mean, I think I'm not saying that's unhealthy, but now that I am forced to branch out with like things and to not, sometimes I look at things and I go, Oh, thank God I listened to that note or that advice. In the past, I would have gone to my partner and been like, this person blows. Can you believe what they said? And he'd be like, ah, and we'd be like, (laughs) you know, and it's like, I don't know. My life is just bigger and it makes me really sad. It's like, I don't, I really wish I'd learned this without all that, but yeah, you know, anyway, my goddamn point for fuck's sake is that I'm walking around New York. I'm like, that's really funny. Like this. So let's say this girl gets dumped at Christmas and, uh, cause see, I've always wanted to do a show, but you know, what are we going to do? Jen and Seinfeld and there's been Whitney and Chelsea and Roseanne and Carmichael. Like, I'm not going to have one of those I'm a comedian shows. I I just don't think it's me. I think I'm really good with stories and human experience. And I think I might have a better opportunity at selling something. I think I might have more to say in a weird way if it's based on me, but it doesn't have to be shit from my stand-up, you know? And so I was like, all right, well, what if it's based on me getting dumped and on Christmas and doing the one-year challenge? which I found out it's called. Um, And what does that look like? You know, how do you make it an interesting show? You can't just go, this woman's going to be alone. (laughs) You know, like Seinfeld's a show about nothing. In this episode, she reads a magazine because she got dumped. (laughs) Like, it's like, maybe it shakes up her friends' lives around her. Okay, well, how? I don't know. I'll have to think on that. And it's like, well, what do you want to call the show? And I'm just, just, just like daydreaming to myself walking, walking in New York. And I was like, well, what do you want to call it? Well, I don't know, Jen. No, not Jen. I don't, I don't know. And I just started envisioning this really funny opening scene, which is now not going to be the opening scene because everything changes always. But I just pictured like, 
I just was walking to music and it just became choreographed in my head in that moment. I was listening to like my 70s tunes and that song, The Mighty Quinn by The Manford Man came on, which it's actually a Bob Dylan song. But um, this group Manford Man, their English covered it. And so I'm walking along and here, I'll play a minute of it. Sometimes things with music just really get me going. So I was like, okay. So I had this original scene envisioned, but it's like really, really quick. Like Christmas Eve, blah, blah, blah. He dumps her. She's like, oh my God, what? And now she's suddenly like, is just out. (laughs) You know, it's like, I want it to take place in like a climate that has snow. So it's, it's set in the Midwest somewhere. It's set in, (coughs) it doesn't matter. I'm setting, it's setting it in a city that has weather. And she's going to find herself a new owner of a, she finds herself newly a woman that has a cat because that's what he gives her for Christmas when he breaks up with her. And, um, so she goes and she's going to be 39 because I think that's a fun age to play with. Like, so in five minutes she goes from happy and in love to dumped 39 and single. And now she has a cat and it's just like, well, my life begins. And that's just like sort of what I was picturing my head, but it, it didn't come together until I was walking and I heard this song and I was like, Oh wait, here's how it goes. Um, I heard the song and then I back pictured it like, right, right, right. <clears throat> She's walking. This theme song kicks in just as, you know, so hang on. So I was like, uh, her name's Quinn. The show will be called the mighty Quinn period. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Quinn. She will become mighty by being on her own. And she's got this. And I got chills. I'm like, this is it. (coughs) And I call my manager. I'm like, I've got the idea. I've got it. And I want to network. So we pitched to network and the mighty Quinn and she, and they're like, all right, Jesus, Jen, you got it. You got it. And so, um, I pitched it to Universal Studios. Now, this is the crazy part. One of my ex's, uh, like, former mentor or friend is one of the people I'm pitching it to. And he's like, hey, haven't seen you since uh, you and me and your ex were at that party. I'm like, he didn't say your ex. He didn't know we were broken up. He's like, hey, I haven't seen you since you, me, and Jay, Mr. J, were at that party. I was like, totally. (laughs) Just trying not to have him ask me how he's doing. And I'm staring at my manager, Kara, like, (laughs) she's like, anyway, let's get in with the pitch. I'm like, so this is based on me. And it's about a woman who gets dumped on Christmas. And I could see the guy's face like, got it. Like he was like, it's obvious that that's what happened. Um, And I tell the story of what I think. And they're like, and Universal was like, yeah, we want to work with you on it. Now we need to pair you up with producers and, uh, another writer. Like I have to write the script myself, but he can weigh in and be like, this structurally has to do this. So then I met with these great producers. I was in New York and I was taking phone calls and I was doing Skype meetings. And I picked this team of people that are fucking amazing. And I'm so honored they would want to work with me. So now I've got those people. And then we started pitching to networks and it all seemed to come together when we pitched to ABC and they were like emotionally reacting to like everything I said. They're like, Oh my God, <laughs> it was really fun. And, uh, 
So now what the process is, you pitch them something, you give them a rough idea of the pilot and you just kind of entertain them. What they really want is to like fall in love with the characters and like, it's not, you don't need to pitch them out the whole pilot idea, but it's like, this is what happens. These are the people. And they're like, great. Then what happens is after they buy it, then you have to do a thing called a story area document. So you, you do a two page document of like, this is what's going to happen in the pilot, but you have to answer if to make it entertaining and then answer so many questions. Okay. There's six characters or seven friends. How do they all interact? Who's what, what this blah, blah, blah. There's a lot to do in a short thing. And I'm not succinct as you know. So <clears throat> that's what we're working on now. And the pilot has changed like four times. Because then you get the studio notes. So now we hand the story area document in to the network. We're not there yet because we're doing notes with the thing and the who. Then after they approve that, they might give me notes and then we redo it. And then they'll go, okay, now you can write the outline. So then you write an outline and then you send that in and then there's notes and then you rewrite the outline. Then you, they say, now you can go to script and then you write a script and that my script will be due December 10th. <laughs> of course, right when my tour ends, God forbid I have two weeks after it to write it, but <laughs> so I have to write on tour. Um, and that's why I don't go out and that's why these meet and greets are fucking killing me because I need to write my script. But anyway, so um, they will then give me notes on the script and I write a second pass and uh, hand it in before Christmas and find out in January or February. So <clears throat> that's what happened. And I turned around the other day because I was talking to my friend and for him it had been a year since his heartbreak. And I was like, oh my God, I just realized that within, because I started pitching this in July, like I pitched it to Universal Studios in July. So it's like in six months, I turned my pain into like what I thought was a really funny idea. <laughs> and, and I didn't mean to do it. It just came to me and it felt natural. And I never would have thought this could be material, like never, but it seems it's just based on an incident, but it's nothing to do with anyone. We're not revealing anyone's life. Um, the characters came really naturally to me. Like it just felt like in the flow. And I felt really positive about it. And I, and I, um, I just had a good feeling about it. Now I don't deign to have a good feeling about it if it's going to get picked up. I mean, that's, I literally don't even have an opinion. I just, I can't even imagine I'm going to have a script written, like how and when am I going to do that? But, um, that is one of those things where I couldn't have planned my year going that way. When I got dumped, if you had said to me, okay, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to have this job. Then you're going to have this idea for a pitch. You're actually going to sell it to a network. Like nothing, nothing I could have imagined. Like I always say, and this is the extent of my religiosity is I don't have any good ideas. And I'm saying that in the silly general, like if you say, Jen, how do you want your life to look? If I got to design my own life, it would probably be so much smaller than the life I keep getting handed to me full of trials and tribulations, of course. But, you know, we all go, oh, if only I had this in life. Just really think about that sometime and think of all the things that have happened to you that you did not plan, good or bad. And and you can learn something from it. Either it worked out better or it worked out worse, but you're like, wow, that really changed me and I needed to be changed in that way. So for me, that's kind of how I'm looking at things. I don't dare to say like if you had cancer or something, you might think that. 
but um, I'm talking about in these other kinds of life things that that happen. Um, and so then I, even until recently, if you maybe a month or two ago thought, yeah, but I'm still not going to enjoy Christmas. And then the other night I could not sleep. I woke up and I was like, I'm not insomniac, like negative about it. I just can't sleep. And I found myself going to Pinterest and looking at Christmas decor ideas for the house. And I was like, what am I doing? I was like, I think I'm getting into Christmas again. I think he didn't ruin Christmas for me. And then someone said to me, you've had, how many Christmases have you had without him? I'm like, "Mm, 39. And he's like, then that's how that's, that tells you that Christmas is not about him. I'm like, you're right. Christmas is my thing. I always say lightness in a time of dark. Come on. It's dark. There'll totally be some, I think there might be some sadness at Christmas in that, in that, like, you know, when your muscle memory for a year happens and you're like, Oh, but I'm grateful it's over and I don't want him back. So it's like, as far as I know, I mean, maybe I will someday. I mean, I still can't fathom who I would get along with more, but I don't really fathom things very well is what I've learned. So here's to not fathoming and here's to being surprised. But I'm like, yeah, no, I'm a pretty awesome person who is the opposite of lonely. In fact, the first thing that has to go when I'm this busy is all of my amounts of times I spend with friends and texting and talking and calling and seeing. And it's just like, I'm, I have too many people in my life. It's ridiculous. It's insane. <clears throat> like to have like th- probably 30 close friends. I'm not kidding. And all over different cities. It's a lot. Um, and then even more like 50 more acquaintances. So I'm the least lonely person in the world and I'm bought, I bought a plane. Well, I miles, I have miles. I have a plane ticket to New York, um, the 22nd through the 27th and I'll be working on the script then. Um, cause I think it'll be due a few days after Christmas. And then, uh, I think I'm just going to write in my hotel room, my really dear friend Liz and her sister and, uh, are going to, and Liz's husband are going to be in New York and they're like, let's all hang. And Liz was like, you made me love Christmas in New York. Like I had just moved here last year and I was like, what? So she's like, I'd love to spend time with you at Christmas again. And then my friend Rhett Miller is doing um, a great show at City Winery, December 23rd, like music and comedy, his big annual Christmas show. And he's like, this is crazy. You won't be in New York City on the 23rd. Will you, do you want to do my big show? I'm like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, done. Doing a great show. Going to be writing my stuff. And I'll probably lay in bed and watch Hallmark movies <laughs> or what if the, oh, I've called hotels to see who gets what channel. Um, and that'll be it. It's like reclaiming my Christmas. Like I love New York at Christmas and ain't nobody going to keep me from that. Y- y- I mean, I called this, I have a new handy person. I got rid of the guy that screamed at me that Hillary's a killer and that he wants Trump to win if 
Bernie can't be president. He's gone. I don't hire him anymore. I hired a handy woman. And she's coming on Monday. She's going to hang up. I'm putting my Christmas decorations up next week. It's not even Halloween, but here's why. Because I'm going to be traveling most of the end of October. I'll be gone the first week of November and then only home a week. And then I leave November 13th for Ohio. Going to see an old friend from college. Going to spend the week of Thanksgiving with my family. So I would get home. Like I'm only going to be home like 10 days total, like on and off in October and in November and not even 10 days less. So I don't want the, to put the decorations up December 1st because then I'm gone two weeks. So I was like, just get them up now. I don't have to like look at them, but they'll be up. <clears throat> and then by November 5th, when I'm back from the South, it'll feel right. And then I'll put the the decorations up like, yeah. Or sh- I'll have her put them up. I, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. But yeah, she's coming to help me organize. So that closet of Christmas stuff that I don't even, haven't even looked at in a year that this other girl put away, this woman's going to come help me sort it out and put it in proper bins and like organize it and whatever. So that's right. That's right. Reclaiming my Christmas and asking for help. Like I didn't want to go through the bins by myself. So I hired someone. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Get a little assistance. Make it a project. So, yeah. I did not expect that this is what the podcast would be about today, but I felt like I had to tell you guys that I am reclaiming my Christmas. The advice I gave my friend, I was right about. You don't know how you're going to feel in a year. Do not future trip on that. Do not worry about it. Let it flow. <coughs> I'm having an asthma attack. <coughs> Speaking of flow, going to use my inhaler. Until next week, have fun. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.